Welcome to our Forever Young Podcast, where we chat about ways to keep our bodies and minds young, because you're never too old to become younger. My name is Christiana Eggy. And my name is Sherry Marichu. Hi, Christiana. Hi, Sherry. How are you doing? I'm well. How's your New Year's resolution going? Not too badly, actually. <laughs> <laughs> While still going to bed late a little bit, you know, I'm doing much better with my me time. Oh, that's I good. We took a day off and my daughter-in-law was puzzled. She thought I was <laughs> sick or something. And I told her I just took some me time. How about that? That's amazing. You know, I've been really thinking about you and your me time and how important it is. I mean, not just for crazy entrepreneurs like you and me, but everybody really needs to listen to their bodies, right? Right. And so I thought like this would be a really great time to talk about self-love. So for everyone out there, you need to love yourself and get outside, get some fresh air, hydrate yourself and listen in as we chat about loving ourselves. Okay, Christiana, I have truly really been thinking about your need for me time. And it's the beginning of the year still. And there's so many social media posts out there and stories about New Year's resolutions. And then there was Blue Monday. And so there was a lot about stress. How are you feeling these days? Well, the one thing I would say about me is that while my time is consumed by what people would call work, I just really enjoy being at work. It's not stressful at all. It's like being at um, home with my extended family. (laughs) Really, honestly. I could just stay there all day or night, you know. But like yourself, I'm a people's person and I enjoy being around the residents and the staff. And one thing my staff would always say is that they don't know why, but whenever they come into Alexis Lodge, even if they were not feeling well, like uh, forget the COVID thing, all those type of symptoms, like yes. they just were not, they were tired or they had headache or they had issues like, you know, personal things that bothered them. Once they walk through the door, it just lifts off of them. And they don't even remember, you know, what was happening before. So, you know, Alexis not just has that coming effect on people. So uh, sometimes when I tell people what I do, like I look after people with uh, Alzheimer's and other types of dementia, they go, oh, that must be so stressful. But it's not. We are having <laughs> a fun. We are dancing. They are talking, just listening to them talk. Sometimes, you know, you're cracking up. So yeah. I just, I, I, so I don't feel stressed with work at all. And I think too, like it could be a state of mind, right? Like, because, you know, I think I've learned over time how best to deal with my stress. And then, you know, you know that it can come in different forms, right? So for me, I deal best when I have, when I start my day, right? Because if I don't, like, I feel like things are totally out of whack. And the other thing I really need other than like, you know, to start my day with a walk and fresh air is if I don't get exercise or if I don't get a little bit of downtime before I go to bed, like I just won't go to sleep. Right. Like I can't be one of those people that just keeps going. And then like, you just jump into bed. Yeah. 
you know. I won't sleep like that. Maybe that's not me. Maybe that's why I sleep late because I go, then I take me time. Yeah. Which is unfortunately later in the night, right? (laughs) I, I, you know, get all chill, then I go to bed. Right. Like I'm doing better, actually. Much, much better. For me, my day starts up in different ways. Mostly now with my grandson. He comes, he tippy-toes and comes, he goes to auntie's room. Auntie, auntie, the mom is like, auntie's not here. I mean, she's downtown right now, right? And then, lovey, lovey. And then he opens the door because he can open doors. And he comes in with the biggest smile. He climbs in my bed and starts jumping up and down and just throwing my pillows around because I love pillows. I wouldn't say it's pillow fight, but because it's only two and a half, but it's almost something like that. And, you know, so like some days I get a workout in, some days it's already late and I just jump into the shower and then go to work. And what I'm doing now, you know how much I love the cold. So you don't catch me out there going for a walk. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking to going up and down the stairs. Okay. To get those steps in. Okay. I was dancing like the other night. My daughter was like, what are you doing? I was dancing <laughs> to the Jerusalem and, you know, the dance. And then yeah. I also put on Hips on Live. <laughs> <She laughs> I like, love oh, Shakira. Are you okay? Um, they gave me at least 5,000 steps. You have to yeah. do what you have to do, right? You do. You do. And I think that's why I really wanted to take this time to chat about listening to our bodies and our minds and and the whole concept of self-love. Yeah, for me, self-love is as natural as air. I love myself very much. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. Yeah. And I see myself in others. That is why I think I find it really easy to get along with people. You know, and it's funny because for some people, the concept of self-love conjures like images of like tree hugging hippies or like really (laughs) cheesy self-help books, you know, like it's kind of, it still sounds kind of taboo in a way. I don't know. So I have to admit that even me saying it out loud, I still feel a little bit uneasy, but I love hearing you say how much you love yourself. I mean, that is so important. And, you know, there's so many psychological studies out there that attest to self-love and self-compassion as being really key for mental health and well-being, which helps to keep, you know, depression and anxiety at bay, which is so important these days, especially. It is. And I think, you know, it's so it's so easy for people to tell other people they are beautiful, they, they work hard, they do things. Why can't you do the same for yourself? You know, so yes. hard on themselves. Like, you know what? I am just like, you know, if I make a mistake, I don't shake it off and I move on. So and I, I'm very conscious of my limits, too. Once I reach my reach my threshold, I stop, you know, I take mm-hmm. some rest and refresh and before pushing ahead again, otherwise I'm just going to collapse. So. Yeah. And I, I think that's really key. And maybe even like one of the most important things about self-love is knowing what your limits are and knowing when you need that rest. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like some people see self-love as a luxury, but I really, I don't think that's a true thing. Right. Not really. But again, you know that there are different types of people in the world. You know, there are givers, there are takers, 
there are those that build lives, you know, just mm-hmm. take someone and just, you know, talking to you, you feel so much better. There are those that are very negative, those that are optimists and pessimists. But the yeah. beautiful thing about self-growth and self-motivation is to strive to do better every day. So no matter what type of personality you have, you can work on changing it, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, and you know, again, putting your own oxygen mask on before helping other people brings yeah. self-love, right? Because yeah. if you give and you become depleted, there's nothing to give. And those people that you were holding up will fall. And you all crash together, right? So Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to say too that I think, you know, self-love, self-care, and compassion is actually really needed for the people who work hard the most, you know, the people that strive for perfection. So do you think that you're hard on yourself, Christiana? I mean, I don't think it sounds like you're really all that hard on yourself, but would you say that you strive for perfection? On the contrary, I think I'm very easygoing. It's like when I took off sewing for one week. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. One week. One week when my first William was a baby. And I one week and I actually made drapery. I have driven back to that house. This is what 20 something years later, 27 or 28 years later. And I still see the drapes on the windows. No way. I can promise you that the lines were crooked. (laughs) They were not straight. And I can think they're still up there though. Yes, they're beautiful. And the shares, you know, I had these ladies, these Filipino ladies that I work with at Cam H, and they talked about about gardening and sewing. And Mm -hmm. they told me what to do. Buy the material three the three width of your window and you can yeah. share it and yeah. it balances and it's beautiful. <laughs> Though my husband decided to have the ones here professionally done, but <laughs> <laughs> it means started. nothing. No, nothing. No, so if I was a perfectionist, I would never have accomplished that task because I'll keep true. you know. So no, I'm very easy going. I allow myself to myself to make mistakes. I learn from them. But I am fiercely, fiercely determined. I will go to the ends of the earth to find answers to anything, uh, myself or someone else. So, but it has to be something that interests me, right? Otherwise, if I have no interest, I I won't even budge. (laughs) (laughs) So when I don't have time, I don't get anything started. It's like someone telling me at work, the cable is not working. If I don't fix it, I'm never doing anything else. Everything else will suffer. So okay. I don't do anything. When my nephew, for instance, when he was in high school and he was going to give one of those recruiting videos, like he, he got it made and we were going to use my VCR those days to <laughs> re-record it. Okay. We, we know manuals and I don't even think there was Google to tell you at that time. Do you no. know I figured it out? It took me most of the nine and I did it. I made copies. Wow. Determined. He was like, whoa, auntie. So that's me. <laughs> so if you tell me I can't do something, it actually inspires me. Remember right. last year when I told you I was going to write a book? That's right. Uh-huh. And then I went ahead. I wrote three books. 
Some people told me it takes about one to three years to accomplish that goal. I shook up the naysayers and I had a book published within months. And, you know, two waiting to be published. So that's me. That's right. Go get her when I have to. Yes. And I think too, like, it all depends on what you're like with yourself. I know that I can definitely be hard on myself and I can be hard on those that I love as well, which can be hard for them. Well, I wouldn't think that you are hard. I I would say you give people a hard nudge, you know. (laughs) Be positive. Thank you. No, Thank you. (laughs) Um, I know. It's just, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I know that I'm just a regular person and I can accomplish a lot, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm any special, more special than the person next to me, my cousins, my friends, who family members, whatever it is. And so I think that's why I expect a lot from people around me too. Because if I can do it, anyone can do it, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, for as far as like the charity goes, I know that when we hold events, I expect perfection, which can definitely be hard for people around me. But what I want is I always want my events to be ones where people are feeling welcome and encouraged. And I want them to walk away feeling like they've really helped us achieve something. And for me, in my mind, this means that, you know, our registration process has to be seamless. We have to have the right music playing. We have to have appropriate snacks. I have to have volunteers who know what they're doing, you know? And so it's, it's a little bit of need for perfection because of the goal in my mind. Right. And so I'm trying to be better about how I request these things so that people aren't feeling like they need to be perfect, but you know, well, I don't know if you're a true perfectionist because most perfectionists that I know actually, you know, get in their own ways, like, you know, because they want things to be so perfect, they don't get it done. Right. Okay. Because yeah. they just, ha- you know, so it's a deterrent for a lot of people, but wanting to run things smoothly and giving your supporters a great experience is not a bad thing. I mean, that is what we should all strive for. it's my personal belief that whenever there's a big function, something will go wrong. So I'm always prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. At the back of my mind. So imagine on my wedding day, the reception was at Edward's garden. And after coming back from taking pictures and everything, you know, as Nigerians, everyone was in that picture, right? Uh, Right. People, families and friends and this and that. So we all come back to have a nice dinner, the caterer wasn't there. She was late. People were freaking out. When it finally came to my attention, I'm like, oh, that's okay. We'll just order pizza. My sister, <laughs> like, really? Yeah, what are you going to do? Something as little as no food on my happiest, one of my happiest days in my life to ruin it. No. So I'm really usually calm about things like that. So people were shocked. So I think if we learn to take things in stride, like no matter what is happening, you know, just because you actually think better when you are calm and not rattled, right? Yeah. For sure. Yeah, that is the way to go. Another quick example was (laughs) when I was expecting my second child, I went to pick up William. I got to the school. He wasn't there. They couldn't find him. 
<laughs> you know, a lot of people would, would have collapsed, right? Yeah. But I just calmly called home and my mm-hmm. daddy said, oh, he came home. He walked home by himself at four, <laughs> right? Because we're going to Niagara Falls that night. Yeah. And he, he, he loves to go to hotels. So he was so excited. He left and the school did not know. <gasps> you know, if I was, is it that two ways I could have reacted, collapsed? Yeah especially because I was heavy with another child or mm-hmm. just, you know, scratch the eyes out of the eyes of the, scratch your eyes out at that school. What did you yeah. do with the child? But no, I don't react too, too quickly. I'm really calm and I just, you know, wait to see what happens and think of solutions. Oh, that's really good, Christiana, because, you know, like the first thing I was going to say about, you know, loving ourselves is letting go of perfectionism because, you know, true perfectionism can be like cigarettes and obesity, you know, it can really shorten your lifespan, but like saying that to take things in stride or to be calm is really important because right there, you understand like with perfectionism and people who are really trying to be perfect all the time, there's this heightened sense of stress they're putting on their bodies, right? And that can add to so many, so many illnesses like irritable bowel syndrome, depression, and and the like. So even recovering from heart disease or cancer can be harder for people who are perfectionists. I can only imagine, Sherry, but can you please, you know, tell me what people that are perfectionists or feel that they are perfectionists should do? Well, I think that they just need to acknowledge that they're trying to be perfect and that it's not necessary to beat themselves up all the time about, you know, striving to this perfect image in their brains about what is perfect. And from there, it's easier to think about, you know, I don't know that if it's easy to think about, you know, loving yourself better or having more compassion for yourself, but like really understanding first that you don't need to be perfect is probably the hardest thing, you know, perfectionists will need to do. So can you explain what self-love means to people who don't know what it means, please? Well, I think for me, it's just treating yourself with kindness. Like, like what you do, like you're, you, instead of blowing up when things are not perfect, you take a moment to, to step back and think, to be kind to yourself, to not get angry right away to understand what's happening and allow yourself to have this moment. That's not perfect. You know, like the last example that you gave about your son walking home and you not knowing where he was. I mean, that was out of your hands. That's somebody else's lack of perfection. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But the way you handle it is also important, right? So knowing that you are human and that teacher or the teachers at the school are also human, you know, and being mindful of that and listening to yourself are really the beginnings of, you know, self-compassion and and self-kindness. So don't be overly critical about yourself. Mm -hmm. No, it's not necessary. I mean, we are humans. No one is perfect, right? Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's what my children think anyway, right? <laughs> I don't think though that it's easy to change, like you say, you no. know. No. Because I'm not speaking as a professional right now. I just think that personality has you know, genetic prints all over it. So if yeah. you're a perfectionist, your mom or dad is a perfectionist and so on and so forth. However, the saying now is that, you know, you're not your genetic makeup. You are actually what, how you express those genes, right? So you are mm-hmm. not your genes, is how you express those genes. So it's like someone who has a family, who is from a family that maybe everyone is obese or everyone has diabetes. If you make a conscious effort to eat healthy, to do things differently, exercise and have a healthy lifestyle, you're not going to end up with diabetes. You're not going to end up with obesity. So they are expressing their genes in a different way, right? Right. Same thing with this. So if you as a person make a conscious effort to to, uh, for self-improvement, you know, it'll be hard, but you can try to temper that, you know, urge or, you know, how you react or stuff like that. You can go easier on yourself and forgive yourself more easily. So right. I think that is what um, people should do. Like you were saying that you you sometimes stuff on your volunteers. You know what? It's necessary, but it's how you approach it. Right. You know, if you're telling these volunteers, you know what, you guys are amazing. This will not be happening without you. We need you. And, you know, just, you know, empowering them, reassuring them. They would want to climb to the top of Mount Everest for you without even blinking. I think that's what happens with my staff. I really empower them. And I like even if something happens, like they, they come and report to me something happened, rather than react, I may not even address it right away. I mm-hmm. give it time to see my, and then I talk, right? Because of the way I support them, they are so happy to do things, right? They, they yeah. just really, because the way I look at it, I'm not always there. If I disempower them in crisis, they wouldn't know what to do. They'll be looking for me. But when I empower them, even if they make mistakes, and I reassure them that it's okay. Whatever happens, whether I'm there or not, I take responsibility, you know? So when they know that I've got their backs, like yeah. they always have my back. Like somebody calls in sick before they even tell me they've covered the shift. So that's what you try to do. Yeah, exactly. I think that's so true. I mean, I definitely think that we're in the same boat on this. Like mm-hmm. we want to treat others mm-hmm you know, well. And I, yeah, when I think about how I am with volunteers, like my thing is I want to make sure that they are prepared for whatever it is that they're, I'm asking them to do during the event is that they have all the tools that they need to mm-hmm. feel confident and to have a good time. And that's my thing. My thing is always like, in my events, I want everybody to have a good time because ALS is a really horrible disease mm-hmm. that yes, we're raising funds and awareness for this disease and whatever we're doing, but I want everybody to come out of the event feeling happy and proud. And so the tactic I always use is to make sure that everyone is as prepared as they can be going into event day. So we've talked a little bit about 
how we treat others and how we always treat people with kindness and compassion. And so I think that it's important that we stay that patient and mindful of others and of ourselves as well, right? Right. And the only other thing, though, is that when you are a giver, you tend to forget about yourself. You just want to give, right? (laughs) So what we need to do and people that are givers is to learn to set limits, right? Which, you know, set, set boundaries, you know, rather have boundaries that, you know, when you cannot do something, don't do it. When you've reached your limit, you know, Mm -hmm. just be able to say no is, you know, almost does not exist in my my vocabulary. No, it's so hard, right? You know what? In one week, Chris called me when he was in Cambridge. Yeah. Mom, it's all your fault (sighs) that I don't know how to say no. I oh, no. things for people when I need something the same week. Alexis was in one of them. She called me, Mom. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Oh. <laughs> so then they give and they're not getting. So I, and there I'm saying, you know, you have to have boundaries. You have to learn to say no, but I can't. <laughs> so it is hard, but it's something you have to learn to do. Again, that is about self-improvement. Yes, yes. So, okay, we're going to set boundaries and we're going to start treating ourselves like we do others. Those are the first two things, right? So we're going to learn to listen to ourselves. And I know it can sound funny, but when you make a mistake, what kind of voice do you hear yourself using with yourself? Are you... Do you insult yourself? Are you critical with yourself? Or are you being understanding with yourself? You know, like think about those things and replace your harsher tones with kinder ones. Remember, you know, like treat yourself as you would others. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we all make mistakes. Things happen. But the way I look at things when a bad thing happens is even though because I have become a perpetual late comer to a lot of things, when I'm <laughs> running late, I tell the kids, I go, oh, maybe God is preventing us from an accident. They go, no, mom, you just. <laughs> <laughs> so when You're so bad. Happens, You're blaming God for being late. I'm blaming him. I'm like, you know, because, okay, I'll give you a good example. So one evening, my late husband and I were driving home from the U.S., because Mm -hmm. we went someplace I can't remember we missed our exit two times it was raining really okay okay we missed the exit two times he was getting a little frustrated I told him I said don't worry about it God must be saving us from something do you know by the time we found our exit there was a pileup of several cars in an accident so in everything that is how I approach life something happens I'm late I'm like you know what maybe I wasn't supposed to be there I missed my exit or you know something so they say every disappointment is a blessing and I do see life that way though I don't make excuses when I'm late I'm always But, you know, so don't feel bad when something goes wrong because there may be something better in front of you. Yes, and I love that way of looking at things for Mm -hmm. sure. That's how I look at everything. It's sometimes hard to remember though. No, for me, you know, again, it's personality. Yeah, for sure. Like 
my ex-husband and maybe one or two kids are like that, but I have one that is just like me, very easygoing, happy, you know, because I think it's in you, it's a genetic thing. Some people tend to worry a lot, look back and stuff. Like, I don't look at things like, you know, it's happened. I move on. Yeah. If God wanted us to be looking back or even if nature, your windshield would be smaller than your rearview mirror. But your rearview mirror is so small. Right. And you have the large wind. You know, try to look forward more. You learn from your mistakes. Absolutely. But don't dwell on them. Yeah, I love that. off. We make mistakes. You fall, get up, dust yourself up. Don't be hard on yourself. <clears throat> Some people, yeah. I have a lady, she said, I'm so stupid. I'm so, I always run to her. I'm like, no, you are beautiful. You are wonderful. And then she tries to playfully spank me, right? <laughs> because this is probably something either she was told or she's been mm-hmm. telling herself. I would never say that to myself. No, I'm, I'm like, you know what? I do good and I know I do. I believe in myself because I, I, I tell myself all the time, it doesn't matter if anyone is saying what you are doing. You know, it's you and God all the time. And, you know, God, you and God is a majority. So always act the way you will act in presence of everyone else when you are alone with a resident. So that when you get home and you look at that mirror, you should like the person that is staring back at you. Yes. You know, yes. So that is self-love. Oh my goodness. And that just reminded me of our chat with Dr. Odiatu about when you look at the mirror, right? And knowing that you're worth it. Yes. You are yes. worth yes. it, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's all about listening to yourself in times of distress and really understanding yourself and what you need, right? Christiana, like mm-hmm. you're not always in distress, but you're able to listen to yourself and you know when you need time. And this is truly showing yourself self-love and compassion. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And we all need to practice that. You yeah. know, if it's not something you can do, you can definitely practice it. Pra- practice affirmations. Look at yourself and just say, oh, you are so wonderful. You are so beautifully made, you know. You're smart. You're like, this is what I, I'm sorry. I, tell, so I told my children this when they were growing up. Like, so one of my kids wrote an essay and said, oh, dad is so intelligent. Dad is da-da-da-da-da. I want to be like dad when I grow up. But mom is so mom is a good listener. Mom is so comforting or something. I'm like, are you kidding? No. I told her (laughs) what you should always say about mom is she's beautiful. She's intelligent. She's smart, beautiful, smart. (laughs) You know, things like that. (laughs) You ask them, they'll tell you that. So that's so funny. (laughs) You're supposed to tell your kids they're all that. They're like, no, no, no. Yeah, you're that too. But remember that mom is that way too. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Smart, intelligent, beautiful, smart, you know, just keep repeating. Smart, intelligent, and beautiful. For sure. <laughs> Thank you. So but <laughs> you should be telling yourself that because we yeah. are also special. It's not just how you look because you can be the most beautiful person out- outwardly, externally, but inside nobody wants to live with you. Yeah. But you may not have the looks, but you are such a good and beautiful person inside and everyone just gravitates to you. So you have to believe in yourself, right? You should always let yourself know that you're smart, you're beautiful, you are, you know, you're worth anything because Mm -hmm. and you can do anything. 
you you put your mind to do. So we all have equal footing. So, but some people take off more than others. We all have a part in life, but you know, you should be happy with who you are and do the best. You know, Michael Jackson, one of my favorite uh, musicians or artists, whatever, when he wrote his book, he said, even if you are a janitor, be the best janitor you can be. Yes. Okay. So whatever it is that you don't have to be the president to make a difference. Mm-hmm. So whatever path you are on life, just give it your best. Never stop That's- trying. Yes. And I think like there's just so much more we can still discuss about self-love. And this discussion can easily lead to mindfulness and being mindful about our bodies and what our minds need. And and that's how it's so related to our overall health. You are right. Because if you're happy and content, your immune system will be well-balanced and you'll be more healthy, be mindful and just, you know, again, always be positive about who you are. I mean, we all have down days, but, you know, try to bounce back and take control, you know, because the power is in your hands. What you do, how you live your life is on in your control. And I think too, like if you've been listening to our podcast, you've heard us talk about it many times. And over the last 10 years, I would say to help provide self-love to myself, I've been practicing yoga and yoga really helps me also to breathe deeply, which is a great way to, to check within yourself, whether you're carrying tension, if any at all. Right. And so perhaps we can talk a little bit more about mindfulness at another time, Christiana, but I hope our friends has learned something from our our little chat today about self-love. Yes. And for me, my magic charm is laughter. No matter what the situation, (laughs) once I have a good laugh, you know, when we did our topic on laughter, a good belly laugh, (laughs) you know, my stress just disappears. Laughter is truly the best medicine. I agree. I think everyone should look for one thing they can hold on to, you know, or something they can practice that will help them lift that stress off their backs, especially at this time of the pandemic. You know, when, you know, mental health is in a crisis, people are just having so much struggles. So do think of self-love, what to do, what is the one thing you can always quickly go back to? Could be deep breathing, you know, it could be just mindfulness and just sitting for a few minutes and just, you know, being present. So it's been a wonderful time, Sherry, Mm -hmm. as always. So until the next time, I'm Christiana Eggy. And I'm Sherry Marie Chu. See you next time on Forever Young. Until then, keep smiling because you're never too old to become younger. The Forever Young podcast is created and produced by Christiana Eggy and Sherry Marie Chu. And it is produced and engineered by Elise Hill. The podcast represents our opinions and those of our guests. The content should not be taken as medical advice. It is for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Special thanks to the Ella Accelerator for bringing Christiana and Sherry together. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. New episodes are available every other Wednesday. 
Have questions? Email us at ourforeveryoungpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook under Our Forever Young Podcast. Thank you for listening.